Monica, today's topic kicks off a new series, and this series is Curiosities and Conspiracies. You're listening to Two Monicas in a Microphone, a podcast about nothing serious, seriously. I'm your host, Monica. And I'm the other Monica. Get ready to talk about anything and everything from vampires to colorblindness to pet peeves and hot dogs. We've got insight or opinions on nearly every topic, and we know you do too. So listen in and let's have some fun together. I want to take everyone down memory lane with me for a minute, and I'm hoping this will spark something inside of you. And I'll be interested to see if it's something you remember or not. Okay. So do you remember on TV, the Time Life book yes, series? Yes, I do okay. remember those like being advertised on TV. Yes. So we have a few of them. We have the Wild West. And by we, I mean my parents. And I really, really enjoyed looking at them. I think they have some others besides the Wild West, maybe the Civil War. And I would okay. read them and I would read them. <laughs> I remember a commercial from Time Life Books back in the 80s. And I so desperately wanted my parents to get these books and they never did. And I'm going to play that commercial for you right now. Chicago. A man is about to get on a routine flight. Suddenly he pauses. He doesn't know why, but he's got to walk away. An hour later, the plane goes down in flames. It's dismissed as chance. Britain. A woman has a sudden image of a black mountain that's moving, with children trapped underneath it. Two hours later, a Welsh schoolhouse is buried in an avalanche of coal slag. It's dismissed as coincidence. Northern Texas. An unidentified flying object is reported by at least a dozen people. Although there were no storms in the area, it's dismissed as lightning. Now, Time Life Books announces an important new library, Mysteries of the Unknown, a series that explores the most controversial phenomena of our time and tells you everything that can be known. The Midwest. A mother feels a sharp pain in her right hand. Far away at that exact same moment, her daughter screams as she touches a hot pan. Just chance? Or is it telling us something about our own untapped capabilities? Mysteries of the Unknown goes deeper into unexplained phenomena than ever before. It documents the facts and uncovers what people were never willing to talk about. Stonehenge. A visitor fashions a wire antenna in the shape of an ancient Egyptian symbol. He points it at the stones and a surge of power rushes into his arm, knocking him unconscious. Was it all in his mind? Or was it much more than that? To experience Mysteries of the Unknown, examine your first volume, Mystic Places, for 10 days free. Then decide if you want to dismiss it. To order your first book, Mystic Places, call 1-800-233-6655. Examine over 10 days. Keep it a page of $16.99 plus $3.14 shipping and handling. Other books will follow. One about every other month. Keep only the ones you want. Cancel anytime. Call 1-800-233-6655. I did call the number today. Sadly or mysteriously, it rang busy. Oh, no. 
Yes. So those Time Life magazine books were something I really wanted to read desperately. But my parents would never buy me those books. However, I did have a pretty cool book of my own. And Monica, I sent you a picture of that book earlier this morning. You did. It is a book called Our Mysterious World by DJ Arneson and Tony Tallarico, published in 1981 by Watermill Press. I think this this sounds like a classic that I would be happy to share with my children. Well, there are very few copies of it left, three or four on Amazon and one or two on eBay. Yes. And I will post pictures of this. It is heavily worn and read. Now, whenever I read this excerpt, I really want it to be used as the theme for today and honestly for this entire series. So here it goes. Are there such things as flying saucers? Do strange giants walk the earth? Is it possible to see into the future? Can people come back from the dead? Are dreams real? Do aliens from outer space visit our planet? It's all the interesting, crazy questions that might fly across your mind and also some conspiracies, both true and false that we found. I think that sounds like so much fun, especially for a kid, because there are questions that kids have that parents don't even think of because they already asked them and they've forgotten. Right. Or like this book, it had me asking all sorts of weird questions all the time and may have been a major player in the formation of my personality. We don't know. Okay. A little peek. A little peek behind the curtain. Today, I'm actually going to read one of the stories because it creeped me out so badly as a kid. And these are stories for kids, so they're very short, very easy reads. So I'm going to share the story first, and then we're going to talk about whether or not we think it could happen or did it happen. So get ready for that. So imagine you are nine-year-old Monica, and you've gone out to the playhouse that your father has made you on the 20 acres in the woods. And you're like, I'm going to spend the night out here, and I'm going to bring my favorite book, Our Mysterious World, and I'm going to read this story to myself. Okay, you were definitely weird. I was. And by the way, I creeped myself out so bad I ran in the house and did not (laughs) spend the night out there. (laughs) Yes. So titled Gone dot 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 forever. David Lang paused in an empty field near his farmhouse. He waved to his wife and children who were waiting for him. On a nearby road, a friend, Judge Peck, drove up in his horse and buggy with his brother-in-law at his side. Five people watched Dave Lang wave. They watched him walk six steps across the field, and then they watched him disappear. David Lang simply stepped off the face of the earth. One second he was there, and the next he was gone. It goes on to tell us that there was a massive search for him. But here's the part that always creeped me out. Okay. Seven months later, Lang's two children visited the spot where their father had disappeared. A circle of short yellowed grass, unlike the rest in the field, marked the place. Sarah Lang called her father's name. A thin, eerie voice replied, Help! It called, help, help. Then the voice faded away and David Lang was gone forever. What? Yes. So imagine That's creepy. Yeah. When you're a kid, I'm like, oh my gosh, you can just walk off the face of the earth. I didn't even know this was a thing till now. 
<laughs> okay. So let's talk about, do we think that this is real or not? Do you think this is a real story? I mean, I think the perception of it could be real, but the actual walking off the face of the earth, because I am not a flat earther, surprise y'all. No, I don't think it's actually real. (laughs) Okay, so most likely the story is not true for a few reasons, and not just because I don't actually believe people can just disappear into thin air. Here's a few reasons why people think that it's not true. Oh, and by the way, you can look this up on the internet, and there's all sorts of people and places and organizations that will give you their answer on this, which I thought was incredible. I anticipated finding nothing when I looked it up. And instead I found a lot of information. What? Yeah. And a rabbit hole. This is really cool. This is going to be a whole rabbit hole series. So there's no record of a David Lang living in this part of Tennessee during that time. So there's that. Okay. okay. And there's actually not any record of this particular story until 1953 when a mystery writer puts it into a magazine claiming he had interviewed the daughter of David Lang, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he kind of got called out on it and he said something very interesting though. He said, look, I was inspired by the story, but I did talk to Sarah. But here's the thing is that Ambrose Bierce wrote a very similar story called The Difficulty of Crossing a Field in which a person just walks off into thin air on his farm. So Ambrose Bierce writes a very similar story. And this mystery writer is like, look, I am telling you, both Ambrose Bierce and I were inspired by the same man, this David Lang. But a lot of people out there say, no, sorry, you made it up. And Bierce went ahead and wrote it because he just thought of it on his own. I don't know. I think it's kind of mysterious that Ambrose Bierce wrote this story. And then this guy writes it later, but we can't find uh, any David Langs living in Tennessee around that time that walked off so, the face of the earth. Yeah. I mean, that's um very, it's very mysterious. Yes. Which is why the tale still goes on to be told. So sure. I'm going to go on to some other part of this. In each segment we do today, we'll have this. And this is called Totally Weird. So it's like I get into a rabbit hole, okay, of the truth. But then I get into like a weirder rabbit hole that goes back to the entire story. So we talked about Ambrose Bierce and how he may have written this story about a man just walking off the face of the earth. I don't know if you know this about Ambrose Bierce, but he vanished without a trace at the age of 71 in Mexico. Monica, can you rewind a little bit and let us know what Ambrose Bierce is famous for? Because I know I recognize the name, but I actually can't put it together. Ambrose Bierce is a Ambrose Bierce is an American author from the Civil war era. I mean, that's pretty much it. So you probably (laughs) were forced to read him and rejected it. Uh, I was probably forced to read him by Dr. Reese. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So now what is even more totally weird is not just that he vanished, but he pinned this in a letter, his final letter. And he said, as to me, I leave here tomorrow for an unknown destination. 
Wow. Ooh, insert creepo music. That's a little creepy. A little it creepy. is. And I really love this one theory that suggests that Beers stole the Mayan artifact, the skull of doom, and died in an attempt to return to the USA with the treasure. Oh, that's a great tale. Are you familiar with the Skull of Doom? No, but I'm familiar with people trying to steal ancient artifacts and then dying on their way back. Yeah. So have you heard of the Crystal Skulls? Yes, of course. Okay. So that it is one of the Crystal Skulls. And that is something we may or may not uncover in a future episode. And I absolutely did not want to go down the rabbit hole of (laughs) Crystal Skulls in this particular episode because we could be here for hours. Oh, and it would be hours, Monica. Now we're going to move on to another story from this book, and it's entitled The Worst Dream of All. Now, it also plays back to that commercial that I played earlier from Time Life, the opener of it. Remember how it said a guy was going to get on a plane in Chicago, but decided not to? Yeah. Well, on page 36 of my great little book here, I'm just going to read you a couple sentences. In 1979, a man had a terrifying series of dreams. In his dreams, he saw a large airplane roll over slowly and crash to earth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's in this little book for kids, mysterious things, no big deal. You know, for kids. Oh yeah. This thing's (laughs) funny. I can't even go into all this stuff for it. It's so funny. All the things in here, (laughs) but I I picked out three. So I'm listening to this time life commercial today. And then I'm going through and choosing topics. And I'm like, is this the same story? Yes. Oh. Yeah. No, it's the same story. Now, here's the question that I had. Is this real? Like, is this a real story? Like a man was going to get on a plane and then he didn't and then a plane crashed? Like that didn't happen. Happen, right? That didn't right. happen. Right. right. No, no. It's even worse than you think. Yes, it did happen. The man did have those dreams. Now, he was not a passenger. Actually, he lived in Cincinnati and he kept having a series of nightmares. His name is David Booth. Ten nights in a row, he had the same nightmare. Okay. So guess what he does? This shocked me. He calls the FAA and also American Airlines. All right. Nobody makes phone calls anymore. (laughs) They would have tweeted. Yeah. So this happened in 1979, as I said. And he kept having this dream and he took it very seriously. So what do you think the FAA did? I would have thought they would have laughed him off the face of the earth. Oh, just like uh, David Lang? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, No, actually, they took him seriously. They were very worried about it. They actually were able to figure out the type of plane. They had narrowed it down to a DC-10 or a Boeing 727. And what eventually happened? Well, what eventually happened is a 
flight going out of Chicago crashed and killed 272 passengers. Oh. Yes, it was very it was very sad for that man, very sad for the FAA people. Um, what had actually happened is American Airlines had cut corners and when it came to maintenance to save money. And so part of the plane just fell off. So I definitely prefer road trips these days. That just sounds super traumatic. Yeah. So so I was like, man, that's so traumatic. But guess what? It's not just traumatic. It's totally weird and not just weird because it happened. It gets weirder. No. Yeah, it does. It does. So back in the 70s, there was a show called The Bionic Woman and also The Bionic Man. So the yeah, woman- I remember. Yeah, yeah. So because woman- it was on, it was on repeat, like reruns. Of by course, the time I was old enough to watch. Yeah, we were watching it in syndication. So Lindsay Wagner, who was the Bionic Woman, was supposed to board this plane in Chicago. While she was at the airport, she became sicker and sicker and sicker, and finally she left the airport because she didn't want to get sick on the plane. And she says that once she left the airport, she immediately felt better. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. But no, that's not even the weirdest part of this. I, no, so, like I'm, I'm seriously like I'm gonna have to go into a cocoon and recover from all of this weirdness. So also even weirder. is that this was flight number 191. Now, since the 1960s, five flights with the number 191 have crashed. That is horrifying. And now I will be checking every flight number. Yes. And some superstitious airlines have actually taken flight 191 off the record. And I don't know who those, you know, I don't know who those are, right? I don't know if they still Wait, you didn't want to go that far down the rabbit hole? (laughs) You know, I almost (laughs) did go down that rabbit a hole. And I thought to myself, I, I need time to plot out the rest of this <laughs> <laughs> because there's even more on this. Yeah, Monica, it is definitely weird. And you know what? There are so many stories about people predicting tragedies. We're not going to go full on into that in this episode, mm. but have you ever heard of the Mothman? Yes. Yeah. That's another famous one. And actually there is a little rumor that Princess Diana had predicted her own death as well. I really feel like like this is another episode in the making, which is why I don't want to hit Whoa. on it here. Yeah. yeah. No, let's save it. Let's save it and dig deep. Yes. So now on to the next one. This one looks really fascinating and um, also very creepy. Yes. Now, this involves a national hero, Abraham Lincoln. Of course it does. He's really fascinating in and of himself, but we're we're not going to talk about all of his acclimates and accomplishments. We're not talking any of that. We are talking about predicting his own death. So this story came from my book as well, and it is entitled Lincoln's Mirror. 
do you remember talking about Mary Lincoln during our episode in season one, Victorians were creeps? Honestly, I don't. We've talked about so many things. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't remember them all. Well, I'm very upset that you didn't take notes. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> all right, everyone, you need to take notes. It's going to be a term paper at the end here. So basically, Mary Lincoln was into spirit photography. And there is a famous <gasps> photo. Oh, of no, April. I do remember now. Now that okay. you say the photography. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, that was deemed to be a hoax. But at the time, she full on believed it. And she was a really into the supernatural and got into spiritualism after her son died in 1862. I mean, actually died while Lincoln was in the White House and just a few years before Lincoln's assassination. Now, Monica, would you do me the honors of reading the little excerpt from my book about Lincoln's mirror? Of course. After Abraham Lincoln was elected president in 1860, he looked into a mirror on his bureau and was surprised to see two reflections of himself. One was his regular healthy face. The other was sickly and had a deathly pallor. Mary, his wife, interpreted the strange vision to mean that her husband would be healthy through his first term of office, but would die during his second term. Abraham Lincoln was assassinated during his second term of office. Did he know all along that he would die? Uh, Mon, that's so creepy. It is really creepy. And also, uh, Mary, sugar pie hole. I see two visions. Don't be telling me I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> like what? I don't know. What but? Uh, <laughs> But, but yeah, I mean, Mary, 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 quite contrary. Uh, so again, this is not going to be about Lincoln because I have so many comments beyond no, that. No, I think that's kind of telling. So now this was a vision that he saw. He literally looked in the mirror and I thought to myself, did that actually happen? Did Lincoln actually look in the mirror or is this, you know, a legend? No, he really did. He did. Okay, but how do this, we know this? Okay. Because because it's accounted for in diaries and stories from people then. That's why how you know anything could have really Okay, happened. I need to I need two corroborating <laughs> witnesses. Okay, and I'm sure that you would find them. But again, okay. I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole um, <laughs> other than the fact I mean, I I got this story from the historychannel.com about him really seeing this. All right. And I think the reason that we know that it happened is because Mary went around talking about it. He obviously told his wife, so it's not a dream, but when things happen to me that I think are a little like crazy, which are usually my dreams. So I understand like when you see something that's unexpected, unique, and very peculiar, a lot of times your spouse is the first person you tell. Absolutely. We know that what he saw before was a vision, but Monica, he really did have a dream about his death. Yeah. So no. this is the totally I didn't know this. weird. Yeah, he did. I didn't either. So I got a retelling of this account from history.com. And this is a recounting of a dream he told Ward Hill Laman, a close friend of his. This is what Laman wrote, but this is what Lincoln said to him. So let's pretend I'm Abraham Lincoln right now, everybody. Okay. I got to set it up. Do properly. your best, Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> there seemed, oh, okay. No, no. there seemed to be a death like stillness about me. Then 
I heard subdued sobs as if a number of people were weeping. I thought I left my bed and wandered downstairs. I arrived at the east room. Before me rested a corpse wrapped in funeral vestments. Around it were stationed soldiers who were acting as guards, and there was a throng of people, some gazing mournfully upon the corpse, whose face covered others weeping pitifully. Who is dead in the White House? I demanded of one of the soldiers. The president was his answer. He was killed by an assassin. Wow. That is, I'm sorry, that is so creepy to actually like foretell your own demise. Yes. Now, I tend to think your wife already told you you were going to die in your second term and a civil war is going on. You might start Mm. to have some dreams. You might. But also, maybe it just was foretelling. Abraham Lincoln had a lot of sleeping issues. He was an unwell man. He was very wrought with grief over the nation, over his own personal life, and he never slept well. I don't think it was grief. I think it was stress. His little son had died. Oh, Um, okay. And he would go cry every night at his son's grave. Oh my God. Yeah. His son. The poor man. Yeah. It was really rough. Yeah. Between that and like the the fate of the nation and slavery on his shoulders, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure a whole person could actually deal with any of that. I think it would need like a dozen. I agree. I agree. So who knows what other dreams he had that he didn't even tell people about. Well, right. I did find another, I find this comical. Uh, Now there are ghost sightings of Lincoln. It's kind of a thing. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So in the White House in particular, but I found that his ghost seemed to be very popular with the ladies. Oh. Oh yeah. So Grace Coolidge was the first one to see him and he was a full apparition in the yellow oval room, not the oval office, but an oval receiving room. And she said that she saw him looking out the window towards the Potomac. So then Lady Bird Johnson, she watched a documentary on his death and then felt his cold presence. Okay, that's far more creepy. Yeah, right. But also... Wouldn't you be putting that in your own head? I don't know. This next story is my favorite of all the stories I'm going to tell, honestly, with sightings of Abraham Lincoln. So Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands visited during FDR's presidency. So one evening, she heard a knock at her bedroom door. And when she opened it, there stood President Lincoln, top hat and all. You know what she did? What? She promptly fainted. Can you imagine seeing a ghost and it's so creepy you faint? At the White House. So she was visiting the White House. I think that's the part that I missed. Yeah, she was visiting the White House. No, he did not hop on uh, (laughs) on a cruise ship. That's the part that I missed um, in this (laughs) little story. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So everyone knows all the rest. And then this is just the White House sightings. There are other sightings of his ghost, but these are just the White House ones I'm sharing. More sightings? More sightings. So Eleanor Roosevelt used his bedroom as her study, and she said she never saw him, but she could feel his presence peering over her shoulder as she wrote. I mean, Mm. he sounds like such a creepo when they tell these stories. But what ghost isn't a creepo? I know, but I'm thinking of (laughs) Abraham Lincoln and I'm like, he is not creeping on you. But he probably is if he's a ghost, I guess. Even her secretary, Mary Aben, saw Lincoln putting on his boots. And it was so scary. It caused her to run screaming out of the room. Wow. 
Yeah. So he's a scary ghost, but if you think about it, he was kind of tall and it wasn't like he was super good looking or anything. And I could imagine as a ghost, he's beard, probably... the top hat, the black yeah. suit. If that's how they're seeing it, I like, that would be kind of creepy. And especially if you're not thinking about Lincoln, you know, right. he could be some sort of henchman. Right. I didn't think of that. You're right. Oh, that would be, you know, because we're so the, like Eleanor Roosevelt and Mary Eben, they're so far removed from Lincoln. Yeah. They're in his bedroom using it as a study though. I feel like I'd think about him. I don't think I would, you especially would not after like the first couple of times. Yeah. So I feel like the Roosevelt, like most people, that's the administration. And maybe because it was so long was where the most sightings were was during the administration. Um, Harry Truman's daughter heard him rapping at the door. And then the last sighting of his ghost in the White House was in the early 1980s. And that was by a man. All right. We've got just a little bit of the show left, but right now we're going to ask for your help. Friends, if you love this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. You can do that on Apple or Spotify. Awesome. If you want more Two Monicas in a Microphone, follow us on Instagram at Two Monica's Podcast. That's with the number two. And don't forget to hit that share button and send this episode to a friend who might enjoy it as much as you do. I know I do every time. Yeah, and I've been getting a lot of text messages from people who are listening to the show and they're really enjoying it. So I say send that on to a friend. Send it on to a friend. Awesome. Now, back to the show. Okay, Monica, I took three of the best stories from my little childhood book and I'm going to close today with something surprisingly not in the book, but pretty freaking cool when it comes to curiosities. Okay. What's that? Spontaneous human combustion. <gasps> Have you heard of it? Oh my God. This That's so crazy. That is so crazy. Yes. I actually watched a TV show years ago about spontaneous human combustion. And I was like, no, that's not a thing. It's not a thing. Right. And I'm glad that as a nine-year-old, it wasn't in this book because I would not want to be scared that I was going to spontaneously burst into flames. It was already bad enough. I thought I could just walk off the face of the earth. <laughs> I know that you think that it's not real, but pubmed.gov, I mean, has a definition for it. And it says that it refers to a situation when a human body is found with significant portions of the middle parts of the body reduced to ashes, much less damage to the head and extremities and minimal damage to the direct surroundings of the body. Okay. I'm just going to put up a red flag that anything with .gov, I am very highly suspicious of. (laughs) (laughs) I think that that's kind of the fun of this entire series. Of course. You know, let's just be suspicious. So, but if you go to the government website, they do, they do acknowledge that it is a thing. Now, what causes it? You know, is this a real thing? Well, I think it's debatable. You talk about how you watched a TV show. I've listened to lots of podcasts. It was CSI. It was was CSI now that I think about it. Oh, it wasn't like a documentary. No, no, it was a CSI. And I was like, okay, that's not possible. Okay. And of course, they, they proved it to be something else. CSI was so good with stuff like that. I love it. Oh, yeah. So what I found is that most of the accounts of spontaneous human combustion is happens in like people 65 and older. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and also they're from across the pond, as you will see. They do love their cigarettes. So 
So the first one I'm going to talk about is a very famous one. 1951, a 67-year-old woman named Mary Reeser was found burned to death. Her remains completely burned into ash with only one leg remaining from like her shin down. Have you ever seen those pictures? No, I'm okay with it. That's you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the one thing about Googling spontaneous human combustion is most of the pictures are in black and white. <laughs> so it is not as grisly as other things you could Google. So sorry. That just struck me as really funny. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so a common theory is what you just mentioned that she was smoking a cigarette. So supposedly she was smoking a cigarette and she took sleeping pills and then fell asleep. And that ultimately led to her death. But I would love for you to I'm going to debunk this right now. No, wait. I would love for you to read what her daughter-in-law stated happened. All right. Her daughter law stated the cigarette dropped to her lap. Her fat was the fuel that kept her burning. The floor was cement and the chair was by itself. There was nothing around her to burn. So this one of all of them has been the most debunked. Of course, um, not I, at all how you incinerate a body, okay? Right. I also like that her daughter's in-laws, like her fat was the fuel. Like, it's not even like it's a corner. Do people not realize that in order to incinerate a body, you need about 1400 degrees Fahrenheit for a minimum of several hours. Right. But that's why people believe in spontaneous combustion, Monica, because these things are happening within a couple of hours and they are all the way down to ash, including her bone. That's what's really strange. And then nothing else, like the whole place didn't catch on fire, just her chair. Yeah. I, I see why it's a mystery. I also yeah. think there are things like science. Yes. So you take the science you just told me and tell me how this happened. I don't know. It's a mystery. <laughs> exactly. It's a mystery. <laughs> so that's why it goes on. Now, what's really interesting are some of these other ones. So that one was debunked and I kind of feel like it was her fat. I don't know how fat she was. I don't know how much fat she had, but between the cigarette and the fact that we know she's fat and that fat burns, I think that could very well be what happened to her. The fact that it burned her bones to ash. Wow. Your fat must get really hot. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. But then that's not actually spontaneous combustion. Right. I said that it, one was debunked. Yeah. It required okay. an accelerant. It required a heat source. It's not like you just like are sitting. Absolutely. She wasn't just sitting there and like poof. In, yeah, exactly. Sorry. Exactly. So there was an 89 year old woman in Dublin, Ireland, and she was found burned almost the exact same way. Not much left of her. The plastic flowers in her room were liquid. The television was melted. Wow. And there were just ashen remains. Otherwise, their surroundings were un touched. So that's another thing that goes into the spontaneous combustion is that they're not catching anything else in the room on fire. I mean, it's not spreading anywhere else, which is sure. strange. Um, so her two feet and both of her legs from below the knees completely unburned. Isn't that also strange to me when this happens? Yes. Um, that the, it just, the fire just goes out. Yeah. It's, so, I mean, she was too hot to handle. <laughs> so in 1970, an inquest was held and they decided that she did die by fire, but the cause of the fire was unknown. Oh, obviously. 
Okay, yes. so here's another one that is slightly more recent, the year of my birth, I will just say. Uh -huh. Henry Thomas, a 73-year-old man from South Wales. Why are all of these happening in the UK? That's all I have all I no know. idea, I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> so his entire body was incinerated leaving only his skull and a portion of each leg below the knee. Okay, so the, the legs are always last. The feet and legs were still clothed in socks and trousers. Half the chair in which he had been sitting was also destroyed, and police forensic officers decided that the incineration of Thomas was due to the wick effect. Monica, what's it's the a, wick effect? It's not John Wick, so don't get excited, oh, okay? God, I was so excited for a second. <laughs> Keanu, where are you? So I guess the wick effect is the theory that says a person is kept aflame through their own fats after being ignited accidentally or otherwise. All right. So the most recent spontaneous combustion happened in Ireland in December of 2020 to a 76-year-old man. His name was Michael Faherty. Faherty? How do we say this Irish name? It's Faherty, I, I think. I want to say it's Faherty. So, mm -hmm. Okay, here we go. Um, Michael Faherty. So his body had been found lying on his back with his head closest to an open fireplace. Now the fire had been entirely confined to the room he was in and the only damage found was to the totally burnt body, the ceiling just above him and the floor just beneath him. And there were no traces of any accelerants. Now what's really mm. interesting to me about this one is that the doctor made this statement during the inquiry to his death. And that was, quote, this fire was thoroughly investigated and I'm left with the conclusion that this fits into the category of spontaneous human combustion for which there is no adequate explanation. It's like the adult version of SIDS. You know, I think that you're right. There's obviously something that goes on here. Sure. And there's a lot of theories about what it is. There are some, well, I was going to bring some of them into, <laughs> into here, but they are kind of crazy and I didn't even feel like going down the rabbit hole of that but like one of them includes like I don't know some sort of microorganism or the fact that water is actually flammable I don't know a lot of very interesting things very interesting oh that is interesting you know what I found most interesting about this little story recap what the fact that you left out the doctor's name because I don't think you could pronounce it <laughs> yeah, well, we all know that if I just say the doctor, I cannot pronounce these things. I don't know what that first name is. Oh, come on. It's funny. There is something here that's interesting, but not weird as far as spontaneous combustion goes. And I think it's really, really interesting. So in the novel by Charles Dickens named Bleak House, are you familiar with it, Monica? No. <laughs> I didn't think so. Only because I know you hate literature. So especially <laughs> of yes, that Yes, I hate literature. Yeah. I know. It's so funny. Um, so anyway, there's a character in there called Mr. Crook, and he dies of spontaneous combustion. Now, Dickens states that he researched the details of spontaneous okay. combustion mm -hmm. uh, of contemporary accounts at that time before he wrote that. But then one of his scientist friends was like, you're perpetuating a vulgar error. <laughs> I mean, Which I, I would just kind of agree. <laughs> yeah, which I just think is hilarious because Dickens is over here like, no, I researched this. And then the scientist is like, no, you're perpetuating falsehoods. And it's just hilarious because it is fiction, right? 
So right. I don't know. It doesn't matter if it's actually true because the idea of fiction is that it's fake. Exactly. Exactly. But it's funny. I just, the whole thing was just comical to me. So it is funny. In, in closing, I would like to say that I think it's pretty clear that these types of curiosities and coincidences really, really excite me. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. I've thoroughly enjoyed learning all of this and for which I did no part of the research. Yeah. And that's fine because why would you need to do the research when I I have clearly been reading this book since I was nine <laughs> years old. I passed it down to Brady and then he tried to give it to Lillian who probably was like, that's creepy. Get it out of my room. <laughs> Friends, we have a few more episodes planned for this series. I am excited about a couple that I have in the works. Fun. So just know that your curiosity is going to be piqued. We might talk about the abominable snowman. I mean, I do have a book here that I sent to Mr. Monica. Yeah, from the 1960s. Oh, you're not allowed to capture him? So we don't know. Anyway, so who knows what we'll get into, but we know it's going to be a lot of fun and we know you're going to like it too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and letting us be part of your day, whether that's folding socks, driving to work, or getting in your cardio. We're happy to provide you with entertainment about nothing serious, seriously. Don't forget to subscribe or follow our podcast so you never miss an episode. If you're loving it, leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram at 2monicaspodcast. That's with the number two. Access extended show notes and more at our website, twomonicaspodcast.com. Love this episode? Hit that share button and send to a friend who'd like it too. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of Two Monicas in a Microphone. Awesome. That was fun.